You are about to take a journey to Alaska, the land of long winters and the midnight sun. Today you will not be warmed by the summer sun, instead we will take you into the long night, where your loved one's voice might be mimicked before you are captured and changed into a cryptid, or worse, torn to shreds. Alaska is a dangerous place at the best of times. If you are to travel with us, we must warn that we travel into darkness, and in that darkness you will find the mythic shapeshifter that has terrorized the indigenous peoples of Alaska since they arrived on the continent thousands of years ago. On today's episode, we give you Kushtaka. You are now entering the realm of the Freaky Deaky, an unsuspecting stop at the crossroads of fantasy and reality, where the frayed edges of make-believe seep into this cookie-cutter, white picket world you've been led to believe is far from extraordinary. What you're about to hear are true stories. <clears throat> Alleged true stories. Christian, just... Okay. Tales of the strange and inexplicable thought only to exist in film and folklore. Although difficult to accept, we do not know everything about this reality. About time or space, what lies beneath the ocean's depths. And try though we might, the unchanging truth remains. There are some things we legitimately cannot explain logically. back to the freaky deaky welcome back season three man feels weird feels good to me it feels good but it feels weird i feel very unprepared and but i feel like that's kind of just par for the course at this point like I've, i don't think i've ever felt prepared doing this I've, i actually feel prepared but i think it's yeah. worse on you because you don't ever sleep yeah so i just feel like I, I feel like i just sat here like i woke up in this chair and i'm like oh shit what anyway we're glad you guys could join us today we're gonna be talking about kushtaka this is something that we've wanted to touch on for i don't know probably since around the beginning i remember we got a message someone when we mentioned kushtaka uh a long time ago we got a message from someone locally that was like oh, i can't wait for you guys to talk about kushtaka and i hope you don't just call it bigfoot like everyone else so are we going to disappoint that person are we not going to disappoint i guess you're going to find out so we should probably dive into that, Christian. What do you think? I think you're correct. All right. Before we dive into that, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, if you could take just a moment out of your day and leave us a quick five-star review, man, it is fun seeing those numbers go up. It's fun seeing uh, the the feedback on the show. We really enjoy it. And uh, be sure to, as well, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Pod and on TikTok at TFT Paranormal. <laughs> If you want to be social and interact with us, we love hearing from you guys. And uh, yeah, I feel like we're making we're making some good friends out there talking about weird stuff. And that is just our bread and butter. We love it. So I'm going to keep that brief as this is season three and I'm trying to keep things brief. Yeah. Yeah. So we, all, we also there. are. Well, I am willing to hire out Scott to talk about so he can bring up your social media stuff before mm. whatever episode. So there you go. Reach out to us. He's for hire. Yeah, I can. I can do that for you. If you have a podcast that needs my voice to tell social media stuff in long form, but it's a sexy voice. I'm already pushing that out even further than I wanted to. So we're going to get into this Christian. If you want to start us off, this place is full of mystery and danger and the faded remnants of old tragedies and the evidence of doomed attempts at civilizing the wilderness. 
I couldn't have said that any better myself, Christian. Nice input. Yeah, that's from Tara Nielsen at alaskaforreal.com. Oh, that checks out. And she does talk a lot about Alaska, so check her out, including some Kushtaka. Yeah, and for the record, Alaska is for real. It is for real. It does exist. We're actually sitting on it right now. Yeah, it's not an island, mm-hmm. as I was once asked Wow. by a nurse. Wow. <laughs> First wow was, you know, kind of expected. The second one was very surprised. Yeah. That nurse is a friend of the pod, so... So, hello, nurse. Yeah. You know who you are. The joyful, keen, and fearless otter, mild and loving to his own kind, and gentle with his neighbor of the stream, full of play and gladness in his life, full of courage in his stress, ideal in his home, steadfast in death, the noblest little soul that ever went four-footed through the woods, by American naturalist Ernest Thompson Seton. Interesting. So this is going to be a nice, wholesome episode with nothing scary, right? No, no, no. no. Little Otter Man, nothing scary about that, right? Adorable. That's what you, that's what people think. Yeah. Adorable. That is what people think. And that's how it gets you. Agreed. There are shapeshifters in this world, as you well know. I do, yeah. Yes. And one of those legendary creatures has been known in Alaska for a very long time. The Kushtaka, which has come to mean Land Otter Man. While there are different spellings for this cryptid, we will use the most common colonized version for this episode. Oh, wow. Edgy. Yeah, it was kind of edgy, but it was, it kind of, it kind of makes sense because, I mean, Alaska was colonized at some point. But let's check out. We are here. So we all up in this. Yeah. The Kushtaka is generally from Southeast Alaska with the legend going back to the early Clinket people of the region. Let Let us put this out there now. There may be some words. We horribly mispronounce yeah. this episode. We apologize. Yeah. Keep in mind who's saying these things. All yeah. right. We're not very cultured. Yeah. That one I re- I asked Mandy. I'm like, how do you say this? And, and she said, clink it. Clink it. Clink it. Yeah. Hey, there you go, everyone. You're learning already. Yep. Before we get into the records of the creatures, we've been told by our safety department that we should discuss safety. Mm. We, we won't go over the fire exits because if you look around yourself, you can probably be able to figure out how to exit your current place of listening calmly and safely. So look around, emergency exits. Okay, you guys are good. Yeah. Is that where our budget has gone to a safety team? Yeah, wow. exactly, man. That's it's, why this podcast has gone off the ground. You guys are fired. Get out of here. No, man. It's you got to have them. You got to have them to tell you what not to do because. The only the, thing I got to have, Christian, is the big bowl of ice cream at Cold Stone Creamery. All right. That's the only thing I got to have. Everything else replaceable. Okay. I get it. I understand that one. Also, Colson is not sponsoring his podcast, so. His stomach is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We thought it'd be pertinent to go over a couple safety procedures known to protect you from the Kushtaka. Bring along a dog. Kushtaka loves furry treats. Yeah. The creature fears man's best friend. Dogs have been known to alert you to the presence of time-traveling cyborgs, and it seems like they will keep you safe from a, a being that wants to steal your soul so that you cannot reincarnate. Is the cyborg a reference to Terminator? It is. Okay. It's been a very long time since I've seen those movies, so it's either that or RoboCop. T2 is a great movie no matter what. Sure. The Kushtaka do not like copper, urine, and fire. Weird. Yeah. That's like when you go grocery shopping and you come out with like three random items and the guy looks at you like, is this what you came here for, man? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I wanted duct tape, uh, celery sticks, and a VHS copy of Cool Runnings. Yeah. Not rewound. Yeah. So grab a few pennies, splash on some urine-scented urine, and sit by the fire. 
What other, I'm sorry, what other scents of urine are available? Like asparagus? <laughs> is not it. The asparagus scented urine doesn't really get them as much as regular good old fashioned urine. I don't know. We'd have to reach out to Gwyneth Paltrow. She probably has it for sale. Yeah. Your dog will look at you funny, but we like to think it will also be thankful for not having to risk its life protecting you from a monster. Hmm. I mean, when you're out in the woods, you might as well splash some urine on you, I guess. Yeah. Maybe just pee on yourself. Maybe don't buy someone else's urine for this use. Make your own. Drink some water. Take a little tinkle. And there you go. Yeah, be natural about it. And if, and if you have any leftovers, sell that to someone trying to splash urine on themselves. You know, turn this into profit for yourself. Start your own little pee business. Yeah. Do you think yeah. our, our people, our, our listeners thought our, they were getting this kind of... Let me ask you this. Do you think our listeners, do you think we're big enough in our listeners' eyes to sell samples of our urine? I hope not. Well, let us know on the comments. Really freak people out. Don't give any context. Be like, I will buy your urine or I will not buy your urine. That's all we want to see. Instagram comments, go. You know, like that could be great 20 years from now. Look at these screenshots back in the day. People wanted to buy my urine. I was a rock yeah. star, damn it. I was. I was. All right. Kushtaka is also known as, okay, this is where it may get a little tough. Kushtaka. That's probably pretty close. I know. It's about as close as I can get. Yeah. In other languages, they are called Begkak or Bakak. Kak. Kelt or Wayo. Nice. Those are going to be different names from probably different regions of Alaska, different mm. tribes. Yeah. And, and you know, probably even in down into British Columbia. Sure. It is considered a shapeshifter, and they're sometimes compared to skinwalkers found in the lower 48. They've been described as demons by some who have had the unfortunate privilege of coming into contact with them, while others consider them to be an otter version of the Sasquatch. Sasquatch. Not the people that want to hear us speak about it we don't yeah. believe it's a sasquatch if you're still out there listening we're sorry yeah that we not. even mentioned that it is not a sa sasquatch sasquatch yeah and still m many others will point out that it is absolutely not bigfoot which we could probably cut that yeah. part out because i just said that but yeah. whatever someone did point out as we yeah. mentioned earlier yeah. yeah they are found in the mythology of clinket and shimshane tribes of north america's pacific northwest According to one theory, the Kushtaka were changed into mortal kith, which is not something that Mike Tyson says when he tries to say kith. Yeah, when the mortals try to kiss him. Yeah. They hit me with that mortal kith. Yeah. <laughs> familiar friends, neighbors. These are familiar friends, neighbors, or relatives. Another theory holds that they are stolen fey souls mm. that couldn't completely meld, which is kind of like combine or, or, or properly maybe move on. I think our listeners know what meld means. Christian, how dare you? Mansplain melding. I wasn't mansplaining it. Mm, canceled. So early in the season. Sorry, guys. I got to take over. Maybe I was explaining it to myself because I was like, meld. I think that's mixing, but I'm not sure. The stories of the Kustaka will vary in the nature of the shapeshifters. Some are out for blood, like the many tales of ottermen luring sailors to their deaths but like the sometimes benevolent sasquatch there are times when you might be saved from the freezing waters in alaska by a kushtaka at times people are turned into an otter to protect them from the cold until they reach safety so they're turned into an otter and then once they're like back on land like all right back to human you go or once they get back to their 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 area of living because they have to go through the cold weird yeah whether they're stuck in the water or just going through the the forest it's mm cold in alaska are you sure yeah man we'll be complaining about it soon sure run if you hear a high-pitched three-part whistle 
low, high, low. Wasn't it like that video we talked about? I think that was high, low. Okay. Close, though. Yeah. There are legends of the Kushtaka emitting sounds similar to the screams of babies to draw in nearby women. When the woman goes to find the baby, she'll either be changed to a Kushtaka or killed and torn to shreds. Another thing to keep in mind when visiting the shores of Alaska and marveling at the amazingly cute otters, some of these are actually Kushtaka in adorable otter form. They appear to be floating in and eating the delectable food that otters love, but then someone gets lost on the water in the woods, and that person becomes a Kushtaka or is killed in a violent and bloody way. They're really specific about how bloody it is. Violent. Yeah, well, this is a wholesome family show, so yeah, glad we could touch on that aspect. Exactly. Yeah, do you think you, like, if you stared in the eyes of all the otters that you see, that you'd be able to pick one out? You'd just be, he'd be like, he's got, like, a look in his eyes that he's just waiting for me to fall in this water. I think um, next time I'm around otters, I will. He's plotting. Like, just look at them all. Some of them are happy and playful and with their hands that don't make sense. And then they look at you and just one in his eyes, you're like, oh, this guy knows. This guy's plotting away. I'm not doing it, sir. Not today. What if you looked at one and he just starts trying to act like he's like a government agent following you and looks around all over the place and, and tries smashing to- two rocks together? Oh, yeah, this is normal. Yeah. <laughs> in the book Haunted Inside Passage by Bjorn Deal, the author tells a story about his father. He is what you think when you picture the Alaskan of the near past. He was an outdoorsman, the kind that provided food by hunting and fishing. He was the kind that is home in the wilds of Alaska. He told his son of a spooky occurrence while hunting Sitka black-tailed deer. He saw deer walking through the mist, and for some reason he just sat down at the base of a tree. He didn't know how long he was there, but he woke up groggy. He then went deeper into the woods with only his rifle. He left his rifle at home. He did not have his backpack that contained all of his hunting and survival gear. He looked for his backpack for hours. He felt sick until darkness pushed him out of the woods later that day. He never knew what happened to him that day, but many in this part of Alaska thought it seemed like an encounter with Kushtaka. When he was 12, Bjorn was hanging out with a friend when he mentioned that his father had said that Chichikov Island is called Kushtaka Island. The friend's father was nearby and he said, we don't talk about that. That is that is reminiscent of some skinwalker lore. Oh, we don't talk about that. Yeah. Keep that to yourself, dude. <laughs> Less than a year later, his friend dad, his friend's dad disappeared with three others when his boat sank off Juno. They never spoke of the Kushtaka after that. Because they were dead? Yeah. Yeah. His, his friend's father him. was dead, so yeah. they didn't want to ever... Oh, so they thought that just they, because they mentioned it, they're like, all right, now we get your dad. I just think, you know, like it's one of those things where maybe it was more like, I'm not going to mention that to my friend who just lost his dad, mm. <laughs> you know, because that's scary. That could make sense. Yeah. Yeah. When a boat seeks off the coast of Alaska, the leg- legends tends, the legend tends to point to the Kushtaka. So these things are allegedly bringing down boats now. Is that the. They're involved. Yeah, so what, like, they just climb aboard, rip people to shreds, and like, all right, let's fill this bitch with water. They, usually the boat sinks. Mm. And so, a death is attributed and to And they Kushtaka. come through and, and pick up the people and yeah. make them into Kushtakas. At that point, can they claim that the boat sank because of the Kushtaka? Or is the Kushtaka taking advantage of a situation that clearly you're like, okay, what am I going to pass this up? I think it goes both ways. Hmm. Some people believe that. I've they, heard it both ways. Yeah. That's a psych yeah. reference. Yeah. yeah. That's fine. Yeah. I, it's like sometimes they do cause the wrecks, 
by by throwing off the sailors mm. um and other times they just happen to be in the area when the boat sinks maybe they had something to do with it maybe they didn't but they're gonna they're yeah. gonna take advantage of it true thomas bay is is located in southeast alaska northeast of petersburg this bay has another name and it is called the bay of death in 1750 an Alaskan native Clinket village was completely buried by a landslide. Over 500 natives died. After that, it was called the Bay of Death. When we move ahead, we move. When we move ahead to the, when we do what, Christian? What are we doing? We're moving ahead to May of 1900, when we get our the first reports of the legendary devil creatures of Thomas Bay. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll let you read this part. This is actually before we get into it. It's called the strangest story ever told. First off, it's not the strangest tor- story ever told. Well, you let our listeners be the judge of that, right? Our listeners will know. I'm just letting them know we know. Our listeners will think this is a strange tale, but it's probably not the strangest one they've ever heard, even on this podcast. Yeah. And it's by Harry D. Culp. Harry D. Culp. And it takes place around 1900. A mere 90 years before your boy was graced into this earth. 90 years, good count. Anyway, this is the strangest story ever told. You might want to get a drink first. To Harry DeKolb. It's a long story. A man named Harry Culp was prospecting in the area of Thomas Bay. He was partners with three other men he called John, Charlie, and Fred, which we can only assume were their names. Probably. They had been told that wasn't in there. I just had to add that. Because if you called someone John, Harry, and Charlie, and Fred, then that's probably their names. I would hope so. They had been told by an Alaskan native that he knew where they could find gold. The prospectors were given directions to a half-moon-shaped lake. Charlie was sent out with three months' supplies and agreed to return right away if he found gold. The others stayed to work jobs to save money to purchase the stake if gold was found. Charlie was unable to find the lake, so he instead spent some time at an S-shaped lake, actually called S-Lake, E-S-S Lake, E-S-S-S Lake. Something yeah. Charlie had left in May. In the first part of June, the men sat at home in the shack they lived in. It was a Sunday, and in walked Charlie, looking a bit disheveled without his coat or hat. He threw a large piece of quartz with gold flecks throughout in the corner. He did not greet his friends, saying, quote, Give me something to eat. I'm all in and want rest. And stay off my west pasture. <laughs> after, after, after eating nothing else... After eating nothing else before Charlie went to bed, the other three men spent the night thinking of being rich. It was hard to wake Charlie the next day. When he finally got up, he once again ate, borrowed a coat and hat, and went into town without a word on his find. When he returned in the afternoon, Charlie... Charlie? Charlie. (laughs) Charlie? (laughs) Charlie, when'd you get in this story? Uh, When he returned in the afternoon, Charlie finally spoke about his ordeal, saying, quote, Fellows... The SS Drigo will be on her way south early tomorrow morning. Can you give me enough money for my ticket to Seattle? I'm through with Alaska and never want to see it again. I'll tell you about my trip to Thomas Bay and where I found the quartz, but my advice to you is to forget about it. It will never do you any good and it will only cause you a lot of mental and physical pain. If we were not partners, I would never open my lips about this trip or what I found. But if you promise never to mention my name in connection with what I tell you or mention the name of Thomas Bay to me again, I'll give you the straight of my experience up there. After traveling a few days, Charlie got to a place where he would set up camp for a long stay. 
That first day, he set about chopping wood so he could keep it dry as it looked like rain was coming. He got his camp ready and the rain started that night. It continued for days. Charlie soon lost track of time because he was bored and stuck trying to stay dry, so he slept a lot those first days. When the rain stopped, he began searching for the Half Moon Lake. No animals seemed to be around his camp. It was almost like a silent or dead zone. Charlie was tired of his beans. Charlie was tired of his beans. Bacon and rice, so when he heard the sounds of grouse hooting, he decided to bag some. He came to a ridge and found the birds he had heard. He shot two. He picked them up, then bagged a third, which rolled down the ridge when he shot it. He went down to retrieve the grouse when he found the quartz on the hillside. He did not have the tools to break off the quartz from its larger chunk, so he used the butt of his rifle. As any scary story goes, this is when the gun, when his gun broke. Classic. Great move, right? Yeah. Why are you using the butt of your rifle, Charlie, you dumbass? Especially in 1900. Yeah. And Charlie wasn't worried because there was no large game in the area. But there would be. Yeah, yeah. He was also excited to make his find. He imagined the riches coming to him and his partners. Playing it safe, he covered his find with moss and brush. When he was done hiding his find, he decided to climb the ridge to get his bearings so he could lead the men back to the area. He climbed about 600 feet up to a ridge. He looked around at the terrain, picking trees and other things before turning around to get the view of the backside of the ridge. This is when he spotted the elusive half-moon lake he had been searching for. So right there, fellows, I got the scare of my life. Swarming up the ridge towards me from the lake were the most hideous creatures. I couldn't call them anything but devils, as they were neither men nor monkeys, yet looked like both. They were entirely sexless. They had no sex appeal at all. Nope. I was not attracted to them. That's a, 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 not a 10. Yeah, it's about a three and a half on a good day. They were entirely sexless, their bodies covered with long, coarse hair, except where scabs and running sores had replaced it. Each one seemed to be reaching out for me and striving to be the first to get me. The air was full of their cries, and the stench from their sores and bodies made me faint. Oh, so you made it easy for them, didn't you? Just <laughs> plopping right over, like, oh, damn, this is super easy hunting. Thanks, Charlie. I forgot my broken gun and tried to use it on the first ones, and then I threw it at them and turned and ran. God, how I did run. I could feel their hot breath on my back. Their long, claw-like fingers scraped my back. The smell from their steaming, stinking bodies was making me sick, while the noises they made, yelling, screaming, and breathing, drove me mad, reason left. How I reached the canoe or how I hung onto that piece of quartz is a mystery to me. When I came to, it was night, and I was laying in the bottom of my canoe, drifting between Thomas Bay and Sukhoi Island, cold, hungry, and crazy for a drink of water. If only I had been floating on a lake. No, just kidding. <laughs> Actually, I think that's ocean right there. Oh, well, drink it. A little salty, but it's all good. Yeah. When the story was told, Charlie passed out of the men's lives. They chalked it up to fantasy caused by loneliness and morbid thought. While some might say this sounds like Bigfoot, we have found that the Kushtaka tales have possibly morphed into legend of Bigfoot through the years while the land otter man has been part of, uh, of aboriginal myth long before we started calling anything Sasquatch or Bigfoot. What do you think of that story? It was pretty interesting. I think I might have heard that one before. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's the greatest story ever told. So of course I did, yeah. yeah. That is an interesting, the, there's a lot of detail in there, the scabby, oozy. Ugh. 
No, thanks. If something like that even touched me, I'd be like, oh, God, where's some sanitizer? You know what I mean? Yeah, but it would um, be too late by then. Yeah, Charlie probably wasn't too worried about sanitizer. No. He'd been out in the bush for a few days. Yeah. He probably smelled wonderful. Yeah. But did he did he consider, if he peed on himself, maybe that's how he got away. Um, I don't think he knew that because the, the ways of protecting yourselves comes from, from the native. Mm. You know, the native Alaskans. Yeah, and Charlie uh, doesn't sound like a native Alaskan. No. Mm. So, but maybe he, in fear, peed on himself, and then Kushtak was like, oh, no, now I can't see him. He might have done more than pee on himself. Yeah. Might have fertilized the earth a little bit while he was running. <laughs> Christian, can you tell us a little bit about a Clinket folktale called The Land Otter's Captive? Yes, I can. It just hit me. It just came to my mind. I'd like to hear about this. It's a great story. It was recorded by John Swanton of the Bureau of American Ethnology. Several persons once went out from Sitka together when their canoe upset and all were drowned except a man of the Kicks Adi. A canoe came to this man and he thought it he thought that it contained his friends, but they were really land otters. They started southward with him and kept going further and further until they passed clear around Queen Charlotte Islands. At every place where they stopped, they took a, in a female land otter. Nice. Yep. Turn this into a party real quick. Yeah, we got to see human. Let's go party. Yeah. You ever been a part of a land otter orgy? I don't think it sounds great, man. You're going to have to bleep that word out. Man. <laughs> We're a family show. <laughs> All this time, they kept a map made out of the broad part of a piece of kelp over the man they had captured until the length, at length they arrived at the place they called Rainy Village. Which I believe is pronounced Siwuani, but I could be wrong. Siwuani. That's much, it's, you're, the way you say it sounds much better. I know. Could still be wrong, though. I know. As long as it sounds better being wrong. You know what I mean? Yep. That's half the battle. At this place, the man met an aunt who had been drowned years before and had become the wife of two landowners. She was dressed in a groundhog robe. Then she said to him, your aunt's husband will save you. You must come to see me this evening. When he came, his aunt said, I can't leave these people for I've learned to think a great deal of them. Afterwards, his aunt's husband started back with him. And his aunt's husband, remember, is a Kushtaka. What's well, a plus. Yeah. They did not camp until midnight. Their canoe was a skate. And as soon as they came ashore, they were turn it over on top of him so that no matter how hard he tried to get out, he could not. In Amani. making a passage across to Cape Amani, Amane, something like that, they worked very hard. And shortly after they landed, they heard... The raven. They could only go a short distance for food. When they first started back, the woman had said to her husbands, Don't leave him where he will, can be captured again. Take him to a good place. So they left him close to Sitka. Then he walked around in the neighborhood of the town and made the people suffer so much every night that they could not sleep and determined to capture him. They fixed a rope in such a way as to ensnare him, but at first they were unsuccessful. Finally, however, they placed dog bones in the rope so that it would stick to his hands. Late that night, the land otter man tore his hands with these bones. Then he sat down and began to scream. And while he was doing this, they got the rope around him and captured him. When they got him home, he was at first very wild, but they restored his reason by cutting his head with dog bones. He was probably not so far gone as most victims. Then they learned what had happened to him. After this time, however, he would always eat his meat and fish raw. Once when he was among the halibut fishers, they, they wanted very much to have him eat some cooked halibut. He was a good halibut fisher, probably having learned the art form from the land otters, though he did not say so. For a long time, the man refused to take any, but at last consented, and the food killed him. So the cooked halibut killed this man? Yep. Even though that's the ideal way to eat halibut? Not, not for land otters. Hmm. 
I can't imagine that would happen. That's where you lose me, Christian, on the cooked fish bit. It was a good run, honestly. It was a good yeah, run. Yeah, I but... mean, you're coming over to the to the skeptic side, I guess, huh? Yep, it's all about that cooked halibut. It's delicious. Why do you die? So it sounds like skinwalkers to you, but are there other things? Not really. No, to be honest. I mean, I've I've read a, a decent amount about Kushtaka and stuff over the past few years since I heard about it. And it, it, to me, it could stand up as its own cryptid. I don't think it needs to be like lumped in with anything else, you know? No, it doesn't feel like it, especially because it's an old, it's not, it's, it's not one that was morphed from yeah. other tales. Yeah. There's a great deal of cryptids out there. And they all slightly vary from each other in one way or another. So this could just be another offset of that, you know? Yeah. So in 1925, Scott, a man lost his dogs in the hills of Thomas Bay. I don't know why he's in Thomas Bay, because it's the Bay of Death. Maybe he didn't like his dogs. I don't, I don't understand that way of thinking, but there are people that don't like dogs in this world. Was he, there more to that story? Yes. He hmm. found tracks that he said resembled that of a cross between bear and human footprints. When he returned to his traps, he found that some had been sprung while others were damaged. He later went out to look for his dog again, because obviously he loved its dog mm. and was gone forever. Or was never seen again. Yeah. Yeah. True Alaska stories, which happens a lot. It's a big place for sure. And it's a dangerous place in general. But that, I don't know if that would explain the bear human hybrid footprint looking things you know that that could only be one of several things that we're aware of yeah it could also be a kushtaka maybe he was it's a shapeshifter so maybe it went from bear to human and midway through that shape shifting it just planted its feet down some mud i mean it happens in movies all the time we're talking about reality here christian maybe you can get on board all right um movies are reality in our world you can go to the theater and see them before we move on i should tell you a a story about when I was writing this. Please do. And I'm sure you've noticed it when you start looking into a subject, maybe writing about it for the podcast, you get a little spook. It depends on the hour of day I'm doing it. But yeah. yeah. This time I was at home, Mandy was at work and I, I walk into the office, the windows open, you know, you can kind of hear kids outside and the cars and stuff. And then I heard my, my name being called and I'm like, what the hell? So I get really close to the window and kind of pretty much stick my ear to it. Yeah. And I hear my name called again. At first I was like, oh, that sounds like my name, but it's not. Yeah. And then I was like, that's my name, but who out here knows my name? And then I heard it a couple more times and I was like, really like freaking out. Yeah. I was like, am I being called? Is this how it, how it starts? Will I ever finish this episode? Probably not. And it was Mandy calling from the living room through my can through the cameras because she texted me and I didn't respond. Wow. But I was freaking out, you know, and I'm like skeptical, but yeah. when something like that happens and- But if it's in your face, you're going to acknowledge it. Yeah. Your name is being called completely out of context. Yeah. You didn't even, I, I didn't even think about the cameras because it, it didn't sound like it was coming from the living room. It sounded like it was coming from outside. I was- Yeah. The speakers on those things aren't necessarily the best either. So it would sound like it's being thrown a little more. Yeah. Interesting. And then there was another spooky thing that happened. What's that? I went outside at night, which I do to go out and get air, you know. That is spooky. Yeah. And you have one of those motion detecting lights mm -hmm. that I leave on back there. Yeah. So I walk out there and the light's on. Look in. And when I'm wearing my glasses, sometimes the line, the lights reflect off the back of my glasses. Yeah. And it's really hard to see. So I'm like, okay, what's going on here? And I'm standing there looking at the trees and in the bushes and stuff. And out walks a little black and white cat from underneath the car. Yeah. After its shape changed from a kushtaka. Clearly. Yeah. I was like, when is this going to get freaky? <laughs> is this before or after the cat? I wonder. 
So, yeah, I wouldn't say those are terrifying stories, but interesting. It's just the timing. <laughs> yeah. The timing. Of- Especially if you're looking at this shit and then you just step outside for like a little breather and you're like, okay, now there's some weird stuff going on. Look at this cat. Yeah. The cat thing was just funny because in Alaska, yeah. sometimes you walk outside and there's big animals. So you, mm-hmm. when that light goes on, you're, you're looking around and it was just a tiny little cat. Okay. okay where's the big animal? Yeah. Classic. So some famous totem poles propagate this otter scaremongering as well, such as the man captured by otters in the fight with the land otters totem poles. A story that accompanies one otter pole tells of four clinket boys who catch and barbecue some salmon. They dig a shallow hole and place heated rocks in it and cover them with skunk cabbage leaves. The fish wrapped in more of the leaves are placed on top to cook. Story goes from folk to Brothers Grimm in a hurry, so be forewarned. Not content with simply eating the salmon, the boys decide to throw some live salmon onto the hot rocks and mock and ridicule them when they wiggle. By doing so, they break a fundamental law. No living creature should be ridiculed or tortured. Their bad deeds does not go unpunished. On the way home, the boys' canoe capsizes, and they're kidnapped by vengeful land otters who haul them off to their den. The villagers come looking for them, and when they find them, they build a fire in front of the otter's den and throw urine on the fire, mm, presumably classic. to smoke them out. Yeah, but do you think it was urine-scented urine, or do you think it was just regular old run-of-the-mill urine? It was fireweed-scented. Mm. That's totally true. Great. Not true. The fire gets out of control, and the boys and most of the otters are killed. But enough otters to, to survive to, we can only suppose... Let's start that sentence from the beginning. <laughs> but enough otters survive to cons- only su- but enough otters su- survive <laughs> what's happening with these damn otters yeah let's just say some of the otters survive mm-hmm. and, and then, we suppose and we suppose they come back later to exact some blood chilling horrible revenge upon the villagers in the future the end wow so what are your thoughts so far Scott you want to meet a Kustaka you want to meet an otter? I'd like to see one from a distance. Me too. I've seen renderings. I've seen drawings that people have done. And I'm like, oh, that looks creepy. Yeah. Just something about an otter head on like a bulky, just jacked dude. And you're like, okay, maybe. Yeah, there is that one picture that is like, he looks like he's been working out. Yeah, well, he probably has been. He's been swimming. All that swimming? You kidding me? Yeah, it's a full body workout, dude. He has to grab rocks off the bottom and take Clink them up. them together. Yeah. Break clams open with that shit. It's not easy. You know what? Makes them less scary, though. Because you know otters hold hands when they sleep. So they don't float away. Could I you, mean... What if you were, like, in southeast southeast east Alaska? East. And so, you, so I was in southeast Alaska. Yeah. <laughs> be kind of quite scary to, like, be looking at two otters and realize they're two kushtakas. Yeah, but what are these hands. full-grown otter men doing holding hands in the in the river? Oh, how wholesome. Take a picture, honey. Send it back to the kids. <laughs> Now I've uh, like the thing like um you found some some Kushtaka stories right those those seem to be few and far between as far as I can find I've, there's like that that man when we told with the the greatest story ever told right um and I've I've heard that one before but as far as like personal accounts and stuff like that it's kind of hard like I can't just go on Reddit and be like who's seen a Kushtaka you know what I mean yeah it's it's one of the creatures that's harder to find yeah I don't think it's as well known partly. It's, but see, it's probably harder to find on the internet, but I, I bet if we went to some of these islands in Southeast Alaska, right, and we talked to some of like the, the villagers and stuff like that, I'm sure tons of people have stories of it. Yeah, they're, and they're pro- some of them are probably passed down. 
hmm. because this has been around for a long time. Right. That'd be really interesting if we have any, if we have any, I know, I doubt we have listeners in that area, but if we, we do, if we do, and they have stories that they're aware of from either their tribe or anything like that, that they could share with us about the Kushtaka, that'd be super cool. Yeah. That'd be really be. cool to hear like some personal, this didn't happen to me, but it happened to my grandfather or it happened to this person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so even if it's not personal one-on-one experience, like even having that passed down from generation to generation or something, it would be worth hearing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's like. I've heard the stories about, you know, the it being a mimic yeah. and calling people into the woods, yeah. including in front of other people's friends. Or the water. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, you know, it's similar to other stories throughout the world. Mm-hmm. You know, these things, these type of creatures tend to mimic us. Yeah. Um, Mimicking is pretty, pretty popular in the cryptid like field. I, I feel like then not even just around water. Like there's a lot of stories of just being called from the woods. Right. So like that, so is that all Kushtaka or is it something that these, like a lot of these things share the same characteristics or have the same abilities? Because how often do you find something that can just mimic your voice? Like almost perfectly to where you're like, that sounds exactly like someone I know, even though I know they're not in the woods. Yeah. I've only really seen an animal do it once. And that was that cat that says, well, hi, I'm sure you've yeah, seen that. That's pretty. But. But that cat's not hanging out in the woods. No. To our knowledge. And it would, if that's all it can say, then. Yeah, yeah, you'd probably get it right away back. That's not my friend. That's that cat that says, well, hi. Yeah. Yeah, so you don't hear it. I mean, we don't normally see it. I mean, parrots and stuff like that, but they're, yeah. they aren't in Alaska. They certainly aren't, no. The mimic thing has followed humans all over every part of this earth where yeah. humans have been mimicked. Missing, What's you? making fun of us now? <laughs> What's he, out there roasting us from the trees? Well, you know, it kind of reminds me of like duck hunting where you got the duck call. Yeah. So you mimic, mimic a duck and murder them. Maybe that's just what they're doing to us. The ducks are like, no, it's payback time, assholes. No, not the ducks. It's oh. their friend, the Kushtakas. The ducks. The ducks are. <laughs> hey, I'm going to call this one. He shot Billy. Hey, Ted, get son. out here. Yeah. Yeah. Quack, quack. Yeah. That went the wrong way really quick. But Yeah, this isn't an episode about sentient ducks, all right? Nobody wants that. But it could be. If you do want that episode, let us know. Please, no, we do not want to do that episode. We will be researching that forever because I'm sure the information is few and far between as it's solely been created on this podcast. Ducks aren't the cute little creatures we think they are. I know, they poop everywhere. They're worse than that. People know what I'm talking about. Yeah, people know. You guys know out there, you avid duck enthusiasts, you know. Yeah. In a place like Alaska, death can come unexpectedly. The Kushtaka might be considered a link between life and death, a way of explaining the disappearance and potential inability to reincarnate back into the clan because the proper funeral traditions were unable to be carried out. When someone dies and they are not recovered, it might be said that the missing person has, quote, gone to the land of the otter people. When someone has gone missing only to return later and in others' perception act differently, it is often said that they escaped the Kushtaka before fully turning. This might be a way to explain the marginalized in their society. The myth is perhaps thousands of years old. Maybe there really is a shape-shifting land otter man in the wilds of Alaska waiting to steal your children or your souls. Christian, why do you always make me read skeptical shit, man? I didn't mean to. I didn't, think, it, I didn't think that was a skeptical part, so mm-hmm. I can reread it if you want. No, it's fine. Just like so everyone's aware, like the videos we do too, to have your nice skeptical turn to them. I'm just reading it for the sweet, sultry sounds of my voice. It's not so much me being like, I believe all this. You know what I mean? I don't. I don't think I'd make our videos from a skeptical point of view. I throw mm. a couple things in there. I think the endings are usually pretty skeptical. Yeah. Well, 
and I think the endings. That's my time, man. Yeah, it makes sense that you would. I'm not saying that it doesn't make absolute 100% sense. I'm letting people know that I still believe 90% of what we talk about on this podcast, regardless okay, of if it. I read the skeptical nonsense that you believe, you know, the all the weird stuff that you, for whatever reason, believe in. Now I feel like I should throw some real skepticism in here. There you go. I feel attacked. Yeah. yeah, punch up the skepticism, man. I can't be doing all the skeptic stuff. Okay. And I apologize for putting those words in your mouth. It's okay. Everyone knows. It's funny to watch you squirm, though. I'm over here like, no, not disbelief. Get it <laughs> off me. As observed in anthropologist Richard Berezul's thesis, Clinkett Land Otter Complex, Coherence in the Social and Shamanic Order. Why do they have such large titles on these papers? Because it makes them sound fancy and I, educated. I guess so. The land otter was probably perceived as the most human-like animal in that environment. The sea, the sea otter has a prestigious place in Clinkett society as a bringer of wealth during a period of the fur trade until its near extinction in the 19th century. However, it is the land otter that occupied a prominent place in the belief systems of the Clinkett. Particular, particular attributes of the land otters led to the perception that it has the ability to create a symbolic bridge uniting human and animal. It was seen as, it, as an ambiguous figure which had the ability like the Clinkets themselves, to function well both on land and in the water. Now, I tend to be a skeptic, but I'm, I'm not going really? with that mumbo-jumbo. Yeah. So what you're saying is that you believe the Kushtaka exists. I believe... Just say, Christian. They could exist. Mm. And, you know, yeah, and you know me, if I can go back and trace it for like thousands of years yeah. in the lore, I feel maybe it doesn't exist now, but maybe at one point something like that did. Even You know what I mean? Mm, sometimes it's, it's not just a a modern spin on like old tales yeah this tale has been in a in a, a part of society that was isolated for thousands of years from europeans true and they had these stories without knowing of any of the other stories taking place in the world yeah and it's just been passed down there's i mean we know how crazy alaska is how many people disappear all the time and in our our podcasting world there's a lot of people out there talking about different reasons all these people are disappearing mm. maybe it's bull but yeah maybe the kushtaka's out there part of me hopes so yeah part of you also hopes you don't run into it there's a big part of me that hopes that yeah from a distance again from a distance if you're like across the river and you see one you're like okay yeah like if i'm across the bay river's not big enough yeah because it's can swim yeah. i need something where it has to swim a ways so I can get to the car and run like a coward. Yeah. Ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no valley low enough. Yeah. Ain't no river wide enough to keep me from seeing a Kushtaka. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. So that checks out. Uh, I remember at some point, and maybe this was regarding a different, or no, I think we touched on it at some point with the being like pulled to the river, like pulled to the water, almost like called out to the water and then it just kind of grabs children or whatever. Yeah. Is that the Kushtaka? I, I think remember in, I think it's different in different areas, but I believe from some of the stories, there's a lot of belief yeah. that it's a Kushtaka. Now, I remember when we went over those stories, I, I believe that you had said that it was most likely some kind of story passed down to keep children safe, right? Like the mom's like, we can't have our kids drowning out there in the waters. It's, it's fascinating that throughout the world, there's so many stories about keeping children safe from like, I mean, obviously, you got to keep them safe from bodies of water because kids are kids. Yeah. Keeping them from the forest. Either it's like an instinctual pr 
parental motherly thing mm. or at some point in this world there were things out there you know m maybe even more so than now snatching babies yeah i mean because it's throughout history it could just be yeah. humans rationalizing the harshness of life or there could be still you know stuff snatching babies as we speak and you know, we're looking at you <laughs> am i right can i get a name on it uh, yeah. See, you, you like to see me squirm, but see, I know exactly what to say to get you squirming too. It's all good. That one squirt makes me squirm just because of all, like, because you believe it so wholeheartedly. No, I don't want to hear from those people. Oh, what do you mean, it. those people, the rational thinkers of the world, Christian? Wow. I, I wow. prefer to have actual monsters coming out of the woods and the water, looking like cute little otters, get me, than the realistic world. Yeah, where people in power baggy-eyed ladies are out there stop it snatching you you can't put that on our show <laughs> it's too late it's it's on the airwaves man i can't turn it off it's fine it's fine everyone knows that we got some fun at least bleep out the the name and let people all right i'll just i'll bleep out one of the names no, you figure out no you figure bleep, out who's after Harry, all right bleep it all out <laughs> that's not right man we we agreed <laughs> yeah. yeah we'll keep we'll keep politics out of it for sure but but you know the truth out there, listeners. Yeah, the Kushtak is real, yeah. along with Bigfoot. Yeah, and they can coexist. We I found, think so, and yeah. they probably do. Yeah, why can't there be variations of it? Why does it have to just be Sasquatch, and that's it? Personally, I think there's a lot of different kinds of people, right? Right. Why can't there be a lot of different kinds of cryptids? It seems like there would be. And so I think might, we solved it. Hey, they might all be related in the distant past, and we might be related to some of them. Yeah, let's keep it a little more realistic for the end of that. Let's say that we're definitely not related to them. Maybe not Kushtaka, but Bigfoot? Definitely not that either. No, Christian. The Grays? You just don't. Do I need to go on a 20-minute Nephilim rant for you oh, no, to, no. to fully understand this? Or, no? Does everyone get it? Is everyone on board with my weird theories on shit? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what a Nephilim is. It's not real. It's not real. Yeah. But I would, stay stu or I would say to our listeners, stay tuned, because we do have some more Kushtaka stories coming. They'll probably be in video form. Mm, true. And if we get enough good information, we will come back to Kushtaka, because I, I think... I think there is more information. It's, but like you said earlier, it's really hard to find. I'm having to go into some to get good stories, some some, deep literature. Yeah, some really yeah. old books. Yeah, I would, I would definitely want to piece together a stories of Kushtaka episode solely just stories from people. if we can get yeah. people that are willing to share their stories or experiences or even, you know, might have been or I might have run into this. I yeah. didn't get a look at it, or whatever. Like we just want to piece together some different things for this lore, and I think there's only. Unfortunately, a handful of places we can go for that information. And we're not financially well off enough at this moment with the show to just up and leave, you know, and start traveling to the, the islands and interviewing people. But at some point, that would be nice, right? That would be a dope setup. Yep. So let's get there. Let's sign up for the Patreon that doesn't exist. And, uh, but it you know, will. We'll take it from point. there. Probably not Patreon. But yeah, we'll get something going. Maybe this season. If not, we'll see how the show grows this season. And then maybe near the end, if it's bigger, if it's got, you know, there's certain numbers that I personally want to see before I even think about adding more work to, to our plates for this. But understandable. But we'll see. We'll see. We got some fun stuff planned for season three. And yeah, actually, while we're on that subject, we're still taking on ideas. You know, so if, you, if there's stuff that you want to hear for season three or future seasons or videos or whatever, send it into us. You know, we've got Jeremy uh, out here in Wasilla has been messaging us a few different. He's got some 
great ideas for for episodes that we kind of took note on. We're working on those, but we really want to take in our listeners' opinions on stuff too. Like, so if there's stuff that you haven't heard, like mentioned in other podcasts or anything like that, it's not like you know crazy off the wall conspiracies or anything because we kind of don't we don't touch on those as much anymore. It's just kind of dangerous with how divided everyone in this freaking world is these days. But we want to hear your ideas, and you can send every single one of those ideas to the gang at thefreakydeaky.com. Um, you can also message us on Facebook or Instagram. We're there too, obviously, at Freaky Pod, as we mentioned. And one more thing, we have been sending out some stickers. Been sending out decals and stuff like that for, you know, shout out to Teresa over the summer. She was sticker slapping around Seattle, sent us in pictures. If you want to do the same thing and help us get the word out about the show, DM us or again, email us at the email address and uh, just request them. Send us an address. Say, hey, I live in this city. Would love to slap some around. And hey, even if you're in Alaska and you want to slap some around, I'll send you some. We can do that. But we're just trying to get the word out as much as we can. So if you take a minute out of your day and you share the show on social media or you tell your friends about it, your family about it, anyone that you think might be interested in hearing the show, we can grow this show exponentially. And then Christian and I can start doing some real research on stuff. We can start dedicating some serious time and interviewing people and all kinds of fun stuff that we've had planned that we just unfortunately with our scheduling at the moment haven't had a chance to take care of. But we will. We got dreams. We got big goals for this. So the the quicker we can grow the show and get that out to the world, the better. And you guys can be a part of that. And we appreciate all of your time and all of your energy and all of your kind words. And we will continue to do you good right here on the Freaky Deaky. I don't know what we're talking about next week. It's undecided, but you're going to want to be here because it's going to be dope. It will be dope. It will be dope. Christian also, agrees. tell all your friends about the Kushtaka. It deserves to have a place in this world with it with the other more famous cryptids there you go yeah a place for kushtaka thanks for tuning in uh we'll see you next week right here on the freaky deaky goodbye how long was that
Dope. Dope.